This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast covering Ipswich Town since 2015. I'm Seb Brown and you are tuned into the pre-match show in partnership with our good friends at the Greyhound Pub in Ipswich. And do not adjust your sets because you might be thinking, hang on a minute, why is he talking and why are these two people the other way around? We are trying something new with me hosting. It's very much like when you learn to drive and somebody sits next to you and does all the pedals. So I'm uh, reliant on my good friend Rich Woodward to do the pedals tonight. And Rich, how are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah, we're here to talk about Accrington, of course, which you neglected to mention. Well, that's fine. That's what this is all about. We're kind of making sense of things. But yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, yeah, um, we've got plenty to talk about. Some transfer business, which is always exciting, and some really excellent transfer business as well, which, we, to be fair, has been teased and teased and teased all week, all month, basically, and has now happened, a random loan signing. But yeah, how are you? How did you find that? You didn't go too badly wrong, apart from missing out at Crinton. You have press record, haven't you? We're not just doing this just into the into the ether. <laughs> it is recording, I assume. Yeah, you still can push all the all I'll the press all the buttons. times. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Well, we have a guest joining us today, so we're going to have to invite Kieran Stanley in from ITFC Women. So without doubt, we'll go to the news. Kieran, thank you very much for joining us again. You were on a couple of weeks ago and you've you've rejoined us. Obviously, we didn't we weren't too bad on you. Uh, an amazing 9-0 uh, victory against Hounslow, which put an end to a mini winless run. I, I guess it's great when those kind of results all come together. Yeah, it was a much needed win. I, I think it was one of those games where the performance was probably more important than, than the result. I think we went into the game expecting to win the game. Um, that's no disrespect to Hounslow, but if you looked, looked at how they have been performing, not just this season, but in the previous two seasons, I don't think they've won for nearly three years. And had it not been for COVID, I think we'd, we'd have seen the back of them a long time ago. So, um, you know, with all due respect to them, we, we, we were quite confident or astronomically confident going into the game. Um, we knew we were going to win the game, but it was one of them where the manager was keen to emphasise that we knew we had to score goals because there's now 12 games to go in the season and there's always a chance the season could come down to goal difference. And when you're presented with teams like that, you, you've got to score as many goals as possible. So to get the nine, you know, we're really happy with that. And and that kick-started our calendar year. I was really shocked by the... Um... Joe's post-match and and Laffy as well. I mean, we've spoken to both of them. Um, sorry, Seb, I'm going to do a little bit, a little bit of hosting oh. here. Um, and we knew the kind of level of professionalism, the the standards that they set from the people watching outside who maybe armchair supporters. Nine nil on the face of it looks excellent, but both of them were kind of um, slightly disappointed with the, the the nature of the performance. The pitch was a factor. Um, Laffy comes back. We need to mention it. Obviously, sponsored by. Blue Monday and Lucy O'Brien, a couple of assists for her, but Laffy, two goals, three assists, a great return for her. But just that level of setting standards, and and it's it's great that nine nil. You can kind of look at that and think, yeah, that was okay, but we could be better. And I guess that's that tells you everything about the team. Yeah, I mean the game was kind of split into thirds. I thought because the the, the first half we were three nil up at half time, and in, in any in any other game, you're three nil up at half time, you 
you know, sunshine and roses, you're what you're really happy with that. Like that's a dream scenario. But in a game like that against Hounslow, that was a little bit disappointing because the first half we had such control of the game, we were totally dominant and we probably weren't anywhere close to our best, but it, it was more a reflection on maybe how much they struggled in the game rather than how good we were. So I think we were a little bit frustrated with the performance in the first half and knew we had to up it in the second. And then we scored another three goals and thinking, OK, well, 6-0 was not a bad victory in the end. But but then the game up until the 88th minute was 6-0 and then finished 9-0. So it was almost like the game was split into thirds. And, and ultimately, I think we're, we're happy with the 9-0 in the end. Um, but maybe not necessarily as happy with the way that it, that it flowed and panned out and having to sort of, you know, as I said, split it into thirds. So I think we'd like to have been a lot more dominant throughout and, and really, really, you know, take full advantage of our dominance and try and score more and, and not have to to leave it into, into thirds, like I said. But um, yeah, on another day, it's crazy. I'm saying this, another day, it could have been 15, 16, um, which, which is crazy to say. So we, look, we, it wasn't our best performance of the season, not, not close to it, but we did what we needed to do and we're not going to scoff at a 9-0 victory. So, yeah. Brilliant. And speaking of double potential double figure returns, obviously next next up is Kingsham Town, who we beat 11-2 earlier in the season. So you must be hoping the momentum and the performance just builds into that game. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, Kingsham are, are a bit of a strange team. Um, having found out about them earlier in the season, they seem to have a system where some players will only play home games and some will only play away games. Um, so it's almost like preparing for two different teams and we don't really know what to expect this weekend but their home form has been a lot better than their away form probably for obvious reasons after what I just mentioned so yeah we're a little bit like we kind of know what to expect but we kind of don't it's, it's an odd one to prepare for um, but nevertheless we're really confident going into the weekend and you know I think if you want to win a title you've, you've got to beat the teams that are lower down in the table and, and we're fully intent on doing so. Absolutely, and a, a rare midweek home game coming up on the Naughty Distant Horizon as well. Yeah, yeah, so we've got Gillingham next Wednesday night at the Gold Star Ground. Um, looking forward to that, although it's going to be freezing cold. Um, normally, we, when we have uh, midweek games, they're either sort of September, October time, and then like March, April, so the weather's not too bad. But playing a, a game on, on the coast in mid-January on a Wednesday night, it's going to be pretty Baltic, um, which will bring, uh, you know, it'll be, a challenge in itself trying to deal with those conditions um but it's our first game under the lights at Felixstowe probably for a good couple of years so really looking forward to the occasion and um yeah it should be a decent game because to be fair to Gillingham since the last time we played them back in August where we beat them 3-0 at their place they've massively improved since then I think they've got themselves up into the top six um they've got themselves on a really strong run of form so I think it will be a lot more challenging this time around and should be a good game and it's a, it's a 7.45 kickoff, isn't it, on the Wednesday? Is that right? That's right, yeah. And what are the details with True Blue and ticket prices and stuff? Yeah, so it'll be the standard. So obviously free entry for True Blues um, as, as standard and then £5 for adults, £3 concessions and under 16 is free with a paying adult. So um, yeah, if you want to watch some football under the lights on a Wednesday night, I believe the men are away at Wimbledon on the Tuesday. So you could almost, uh, you know, if, you, if you're not going to Plough Lane on the Tuesday, come to the Gold Star Ground on the Wednesday and, and, and get your football fix. Brilliant, absolutely, yeah. Well, obviously, too, an amazing result last week. Hopefully, they'll keep the, the good run going against Keystone and then Gillingham. And then it's an FA Cup game against Newcastle on the horizon as well, isn't there? That's right, yeah. So next weekend, yeah, we're off to Newcastle. So we've got a long trip to Bristol and then a long trip to Newcastle with a, the home game sandwiched in the middle of that. So, um, yeah, we're really looking forward to that Newcastle game because it's a new team that we've never never faced before. They're, they're flying in the division below us, so we know that they're going to be a challenge. And the game has just been moved to... Um, the home of Newcastle Falcons Rugby Club. So it's going to be in a stadium. Uh, so I think it's just over 10,000 capacity. And from what I've seen on social media from their end, I think they're confident of a really big crowd getting down there. It seems to be creating a lot of traction. So it should be a really, really good occasion. And of course, if we win the game and progress into the fifth round, that will equal our club record. So um, yeah, and then who knows who we could draw in the next round if we are to get through that. So Yes, far away. Just um, to direct people if they're interested in this as well, it's probably it's certainly too soon for Sunday and Keensham, possibly too soon from Newcastle, where we may not. Um, 
CEO and the ITFC sponsorship team are looking for companies or very wealthy people to support the away trips for the women's team. Do you want to quickly mention that? And I mean, we've mentioned Theo's details, Theo Benoeth at ITFC, but that's an opportunity if people want to get involved in that. Yeah, absolutely. So we had uh, Michael Kennedy from John Fowler Solicitors based in, uh, based in, in I believe, towards Clacton in Essex. Um, they, he came with us to Southampton, um, almost like an exclusive behind the scenes experience of traveling with the team, you know, in the hotel, having a bit of dinner, getting access to the game and being in and around the, the team environment for that, that whole weekend. And, and he absolutely loved it. So if there are any companies or people out there that, that want to experience that kind of exclusive behind the scenes look and, and come away with the team on an away trip and get to experience everything that we do, um, then, then that's available and, and, and Theo will be able to, to talk you through that because it really is a great experience and it's great for us to show what, what we get to experience and um, yeah and, and hopefully we can get more people on board because it's, uh, it's great to have those people involved. Sit next to Kieran on the coach that, that's the kind of stuff that that's where the money goes nice one absolutely brilliant well thank you very much for coming on Kieran good luck against Keishman and against Gillingham and hopefully we'll have you uh, on in the not distant future with some more wins under the belt Absolutely. Thanks, guys. So we move on from Kieran, thanking him for, for joining us. We move on to the news. So after what felt like 48 to 72 hours of complete radio silence after it was broken, Christian Walton finally signed and joined us. Was it was it last night? It was, wasn't it? No, Wednesday night. I've, I've lost track well, of it. Well, it depends when folk are listening to this, isn't it? Very good point. Yeah, he signed <laughs> on a, on a two-and-a-half-year deal till the 2024, end of 2024 uh, season with a one-year option, uh, a very low six-figure figure, figure fee, if you, if you believe what's written in the press. And, Rich, that's a, that's a superb piece of business, isn't it? It is, yeah. As reported, I need to say that, that that's reported by TWTD. Um, so Stuart Taylor obviously will dispute anything that's written in TWTD. So it's probably a multi-million pound transfer deal. Um, but no, uh, and we're big fans of Christian Walton here on Blue Monday, obviously. I'm really grateful to Marcus Nash and the team ITFC for um, setting us up with a, a conversation with him. Spoke really well. Um, that interview is obviously available. If, if I've got the time, I'll put a link up the top corner for that. Um, and it was a weird one because I didn't want to pry a huge, too much into his personal circumstances there because he's been on loan for quite a, a long time, quite a few loan spells. And end of the year, his contract was up as well. And you come, don't want to say to a human being, what are you thinking about for the next summer kind of thing? It's like his livelihood and his job. And the interview you did with Jacob um, at the, uh, for ITFC on, on YouTube and Twitter, excellent, um, really articulate, really motivated, really passionate. Um, as we expected, and um, we were debating this on Twitter as well. I mean, in recent years, our January business has largely been loans, and this is probably a marquee signing in when it comes to January January windows for maybe 10 years. I'm struggling to think of a better signing. So really happy for, for him, really happy for us, and we, we build, don't we? We, we move forwards. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, you know, we've got him now. He's, he's 26 now, isn't he? So by the end of the contract, you know, he's moving no into age his peak. For a keeper. Exactly. Yeah. He's moving into his peak years as a, as a keeper. And it's an absolutely superb piece of business. I'm guessing now, what do you think that means for, for Clagge and Holy? Presumably Holy will move on this window, do you think? And Clagge becomes the backup or? Yeah. So Bradford were linked with um, Holy on Thursday morning. That doesn't surprise me. I, I kind of always a little bit worried about injuries, but I think there's plenty of keepers in the, in the end of 23s there so that doesn't surprise me Holly's obviously out of contract Ladke's our player so it kind of makes sense and Ladke's a very decent enough backup at this level as well so yeah do you think there's something to be said for potentially keeping Holy and loaning Ladke out for six months to gain some confidence or do you think that's a, a bit of a kicking based on how his Ipswich Town career has gone so far yeah I mean I've got history with these two guys haven't I so I need to be really that's careful why I, that's why I've asked you with what I say, um, I, I would suggest that given Holy is likely to not be here next season and Ladke is, um, that I would probably go with um, the deal that's happening at the moment for him rather than loaning out Ladke. But there is something to be said for his... Um, it feels to me like a lot of his issues are confidence-based, but maybe just being in and around the squad and, and the team and stuff like that takes the pressure off him a little bit and then he can regroup and you know if the opportunity comes through Walton maybe being injured, hopefully not. Um, or maybe this, you know, towards the end of the season, if we miss out on the play playoffs, again, hopefully not. There might be opportunities for Ladke towards then, and then you build that confidence in, don't you, into the into the summer. 
Yeah, sure. Great, great business. And obviously he's now a, an interest town player full time and it's a position we can hang our hat on and, and, you know, say we haven't really got to hopefully touch wood, worry about that position now for the next couple of years. So yeah. great work all round. We've had an exit as well. Miles Kenlock has made his way down the A12, shockingly, to uh, join the ITFC reserve uh, B team uh, academy Colchester United uh, obviously Miles didn't play re- not registered for the league for the first half of the season I think it was quite clear his time here was up he made a couple of appearances I think in the league and the Carabao not the Carabao Cup the EFL Pizza Cup, Cup. Pizza Cup, that's it, and the FA Cup, and uh, a good chance for him to go out and play some games because you know his contract in reality isn't going to be renewed in the summer. So a good chance for him now to go out and play some games, and a pretty decent signing for Colu as well, I would suggest. Yeah, I feel sorry for Miles. Yeah, he's, he's played a lot of games at Championship level. We forget, um, but he's always been. I was describing him to my brother-in-law, he's a Colu fan, as a kind of a he's a six or a seven out of ten type of player, but you very rarely. You know, a lot of players will some weeks put in a nine, then you'll get a four or five the next week. It's very rare that you get an excellent performance from Kenlock or a, a very terrible performance, but he's probably just below a kind of a seven or an eight to be the kind of player that you'd give that left-back position to full-time. And, uh, you know, he's obviously been not trusted by Paul Cook for whatever reason. I quite like him, but I think he can, I think a level below... I think it's a loan that gives him an opportunity to make a statement and to prove himself um, around familiar faces. Cole, you can now name a full 11 and also have plenty of people in the in the um, management staff, including Wayne Brown, who's now interim boss. Um, so Cole Switch United is, is definitely working a treat there for them, although they're really crap in the league at the moment. But yeah, good luck to him and Emmy. He was obviously there too and um, recently signed for them. So... Yeah, I, I wish him well, but I think he's he's clearly not not the standard we need. Yeah, I think it sums it up quite nicely. And obviously, with Louis Barry going and Christian Walton becoming a permanent transfer, we freed up some loan uh, loan squad places, and we we filled one today with a, a signing pretty much out of the blue. It wasn't really discussed, I don't think, until this morning, was it? And we've had the 23 year old Bristol City midfielder Tariq. I'm going Backinson. Are you going Backinson or are you going Bacon? Bacon-son. Bacon-son, you think? Okay. Uh, he's joined on loan for the rest of the season, and there's an option to make it permanent in the summer. Nigel Pearson doesn't seem to be like he'll be missing him very much, based on his comments. What, what's your thoughts on this one? Is it is it not an area? of the squad that we are you know potentially we've got so many options i think in the middle of the park it, it strikes me as a bit of a strange one yeah on the face of it i think i mean we'll probably um, ben knows much more about him from his championship coverage so the guys will definitely speak about this on on sunday in respect of what it means for ipswich um mckenna has said that he can play a number of positions um we don't know what those are maybe ben ben might so again and um, watch on monday morning um but i do think we lack you know, El Mazzuni is kind of has notionally been the backup for for Morsey, that kind of combative, ball-winning central midfielder, and I think Bakinson kind of I think fill that role quite well. It might be that there's a different role for Evans, maybe the three at the back. There's people on TWTD speculating there, um, but I think you know you mentioned Had Kladki in in this situation. Harper's hardly played for the last two three months, has he? So maybe Harper's Geo-low move. Maybe there's a, a decision on Nolan that's that feels like it's long overdue as well. So suddenly those two players are out of the mix. You need cover there, and maybe Bakinson. You know he's got a point to prove now. Pearson's kind of said he's not got the right attitude. So we'll see there. It, it might be that suddenly he ends up on the right hand side in the back in the kind of the, the midfield, you know, the right wing back position or whatever. We just we just don't know. But you know he's known to Mark Ashton. He obviously trusts him. So. You know, it's not it's not a, a, a kind of a, a life shattering transfer, but one that you never know might make a, a valid contribution if if we're challenging towards the playoffs towards the end of the season. You never know. Scores are going. Well, I guess we can't lose, can we? We can't lose. It's a loan deal, and we've got an option to make it permanent, so yeah. we win both ways. You know, if it goes really well, we turn it into a permanent transfer, and maybe look to reshuffle the squad a little bit in the summer. If nothing works, we shake hands in May and we say thanks very much. And he goes back to Bristol City to face uh, to face Nigel Pearson. Face, so. Yeah, which wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be. But it, oh, there's. If you want a motivation to make a loan spell work for you, then um, there it is. And it sounded like he had COVID, I think, a lot, and maybe before Christmas, and has struggled to get back in the team. But we don't know what. The situation is behind the scenes there, but yeah, he's he's played enough games for Bristol City for me to say that he can do well at League One level. So yeah, I'm happy. And he's been signed in time for the uh, the squad on Saturday. So without further ado, let's go into Accrington at home. 
So Accrington are slightly above us in the league table, one place above us in 10th on 36 points. So I guess if we're looking at te- games we have to win to start clawing back on sides above us, this definitely ticks that box, doesn't it? Tell us about their uh, their season so far. Yeah, so I don't know about Accrington. It's one of these teams that seem to be, every- maybe because they beat us at home. I always think maybe they're better than they are. But as you say, 10th, um, doing okay, um, 10 wins, Six draws, ten def- you know, ten defeats, kind of typical mid-table type form, really. Um, like us, really, you, isn't it? Yeah, exactly right. You know, <laughs> um, much of a muchness, us two, aren't we? The battle of the mid-table. Hopefully not for too much longer for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, on a decent run of late, um, I think I only conceded two in the last five. The last three games have been draws, but draws against Sunderland and MK. Um, but a little bit of disciplinary issues, a uh, um, red card in the last two matches. Um, last time out, Drew with Sunderland, um, 84th minute equaliser um, here, according to our script. But um, I think this is the theme that we're starting to see. Lots of shots on goal. I think it was quite a, um, the the, the, the one or draw flattered Sunderland from what I've seen from the stats. They create, you know, quite a lot of chances, but just can't convert them. Um, but yeah, that equaliser came after Ross Sykes sent off. And that disciplinary thing is a bit of a question mark. And it's, it's not worked out for them because these players are going to be missing. They're important players um, for for Saturday. Yeah, and it shows a bit of character, you know, to go to play one of the, the so-called league big boys, I think, Sunderland, to, to be a man down and then equalise after the red card with, with six minutes to go or so. So they, they have shown a little bit of character. Is it fair to describe them as, as a bogey side for us? I mean, we were at the FA Cup game, weren't we, in the relegation season? And then we had the, the year later when Toto had a bit of a mare and got, did he get hooked at halftime because he gave away a penalty or something? And I, I can't remember, obviously we lost this season. Um, I'm not sure what we did there last season. But is, is it fair to call them a bogey side, do you think? We've not had the oh, best of records so. against them recently have we certainly away i think we pumped them 4-0 in the 1920 season um at home and maybe there's a little bit of a you know we've been to is it the wham stadium still and it is one of those grounds where i think we struggle to turn up for you know we're used to the bigger stadiums and you know the nice portman road is portman road isn't isn't is as nice as it used to be but decent enough surroundings and i know they're spending money, and we'll talk about the chairman in a, in a bit as well. But I do think we we struggled to motivate ourselves there, and they seem to have found a way to play play against us. That being said, John Coleman maybe kind of had the kind of ear ever of um, voodoo against Paul Cook when we played them earlier in the season um, because he knows him so well. Um, so maybe that's a factor as well. But um, all bets are off, I think, playing them at Portman Road under Kieran McKenna. Yeah, fair enough. And you've done a bit of a, a of a Scooby Doo video flashback to the the flagship show uh, following the two one defeat there back in back in October. So do you want to push the button? Yeah, let's see what we said back then. You know, we go in one nil up. Happy days. Keep it tight. Let's get the second and get out get out of dodge. You know, but yeah, yeah. Accrington came out strong, and I think we we lasted five minutes before before they equalised. But on seventy nine minutes, the inevitable happens. I think I think that's the most disappointing thing. I mean, we had two shots all game. We had 50, yeah. Again, shades of last season, at fifty-four percent possession, two shots all game. One of which was the goal. Yeah, disappointing. Very disappointing indeed. Horrible weather, windy, rainy, horrible. No one really fancies it. Got what we deserved in the end. Mm. Nothing. Good old Dave. I think Dave summed it up perfectly there, didn't he? It was a, a cold, horrible, blustery northern away day. And like you said, we just didn't turn up. And it was so disappointing because it came just after that 6-0 victory at home to Doncaster, didn't it? And you're kind of thinking, right, well, here we go. You know, Morsey's now in the side and Cook's got all his signings settled. And we're really looking to, to use his word, we're looking to gel and, 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 move, and move on quickly. And it was just such a such a case of after the Lord Mayor's show, wasn't it? Yeah, for another false dawn. And that kind of summed up the Paul Cook era, really. And, you know, the... I, def- I remember listening to that on 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 the radio, and the momentum turned. You know, we we and that there was definitely something about us when we we used to do that, and the goal was coming. And that's always something you say about us, particularly in the second half of matches. You know, as soon as that that as soon as we either concede an equaliser or we don't convert a chance, you know, similar to Bolton last week, first goal changes the match for us. Certainly, this the case this time when Accrington, yeah, just. Um, 
got the better of us and, and we didn't fancy it. And th- those are the kind of performances that sum up our spell in League One. Just not up for the fight. You know, Cheltenham, you know, so many performances like that away from home where we should put in a professional performance and we just don't. And it's why we're sat in 11th and they're sat in 10th and it's a bit of a mid-table shootout, isn't it? It's the kind of size that we need to be brushing to one side earlier in the campaign and it's the reason we haven't done that, which is why we sit where we are with the, with the playoffs looking quite distant in the uh, in the horizon. Uh, so 16th in the form table away from home with 12 points. So they're not amazing away from home. Played 12, won three, drawn three, lost six, only scored 11 goals away from home and conceded 21. Interestingly, their XG away from home is 1.63 per game, which is the fifth best in the league. They just, they just don't take their chances, do they? No, they don't. I, I was surprised that when I saw that. I mean, on average, the most shots are taken away from home in the league by far. 15 shots per game on average away from home. Rotherham just behind them on 14. I mean, that's really stark. Most aerial duels won away from home as well, on average 30 a match. Um, but goals scored, as you mentioned, is only 11. That's 20th in the league one. So, there is chances created. It might the argument might be that these are low quality chances, but the XG says not. You know, one point six three um, XG. They're expected goals for the chances they're creating there, um, but a lot of them are from set pieces. You know, thirty six percent of the away goals from set pieces. We know they're a physical team. There, we know they're a big team, so that's something we need to be wary of. Um, but a team that isn't afraid to give it a go away from home, and and, and you know, we know John Coleman. He's been around the block for a long old time. Um, and you know he's not going to. F- his team are not going to fear coming here um, to Portman Road. But it, it just depends which version of Ipswich turn up, whether it's Gillingham, Ipswich, or Bolton, Ipswich. And I'm guessing he'll want to help out his old mate Paul Cook. They're very close mates, aren't they? So he'll probably want to do him a bit of a favour and look to look to potentially turn us over. Andy Holt is the chairman there, obviously quite outspoken on Twitter. Uh, took over in October 2015 and has shown steady improvement since then. You know, the 2015-16 season, they lose in the playoffs after missing out on the autos on the last day of the season. 2017-18, they win League Two and now they're they're firmly established in League One, aren't they? They don't really ever suffer any really relegation issues or, or, or scraps. They finished 14th, 17th, 11th and currently 10th. So I think it's fair to say they are punching, uh, you know, maybe slightly above their weight, but they're a really good side who are now fully established in this league. And if you can sell players to Ipswich every season, and pay like for Caden Jackson new, and Cameron Burgess, and seats and exactly right. stuff, yeah. How much of the infrastructure at Accrington is paid for by Marcus Evans, um, and to a lesser extent, game changer? And great, um, you know, I don't always agree necessarily with what Andy Holt has to say. Or the way he goes about stuff, you know, he's outspoken, and that's you do get the the good and the bad on that. But you know, for Accrington, this is you know, mid table knee one is decent. If you can establish yourself that you'll never get, as you say, you're never going to be in relegation danger. You might maybe you know even dabble towards the playoff end of this and um, playoffs towards the end of the season. But if you know if you finish tenth and you know that you can do that, you can spend some money, you can build up the infrastructure around the stadium, you can maybe invest a little bit more in the playing squad. And then maybe who knows, championship in a few years' time or you know, there's nothing to say that Accrington couldn't go on a run. I think possibly the the injuries and the suspensions they've had don't help. But you know, they're a team that's well organized by John Coleman. Um maybe their issues are away from home, but you know, they're a decent enough team at this level and um and yeah, they are a bogey team for us, aren't they? And they're a bogey team for a lot of teams. Both MK, both Sunderland in recent weeks haven't been able to beat them. And like I say, they're above us in the league and they're on a good run of form with only with no defeats in their last the last five games. So it, it's not going to be a, a, an easy game, I don't think. Tell us about their possession and their and their defending and their style of play. What what should we expect on Saturday? Yeah, I I think it would be maybe a bit lazy to say they're a long ball team. I, I don't think they are. I, I, you know, their their possession is about 50%, which is par for the, the division. The, the accuracy is fine as well. It seems to me that, you know, the passing is is functional, um, but they will try to get shots off. You know, that 14.6 per game on average, I think, over the course of the whole season. Um, they'll try long shots, but the set pieces are there as well. So I, I'm not going to pretend, they're not an MK Dons, put it this way, but I, don't, I, I certainly don't think they're a long ball team either. Um, and we've been debating, haven't we, what formation they generally play? But they've got they've got pace and width offered by their fullbacks as well. So, you know, they, they'll aim for their forward. We'll talk about him in a bit. He's someone that I very much like. I should have put my Lemington FC shirt on the wall behind me there. Um, but different, you know, it, it, I'm not, I'd, 
the thing this is going to damn them with faint praise but they're just pretty they're, they're okay they're pretty good at what they do you know they, this isn't a team that's going to pass us to death but it isn't an aerial bombardment either they kind of they can mix it up they're quite adaptable i think they're quite happy to go like then match up the teams as well that they play against as well so they're quite fluid but i think the good thing for us as i mentioned the away form not not great but the suspensions have come at a really bad time and some inexperienced players perhaps being thrown into the mix out of necessity on Saturday, which is going to help us out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Yeah, so if we come on to the formation, we were umming and ahhing in the green room we exactly what we think they're going to do because they're very much a, a side that likes to play three at the back. However, suspensions might take that out of their hands. They they have made a couple of signings in the window so far and two centre-backs have joined them. So if they decide to match us up in a, a, a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3, it would likely be two relatively young, inexperienced players coming into the back three to to help them out. So if we go through the, what we think the lineup is likely to be based on the uh, on the three at the back, it's going to be Toby Having in goal, 21-year-old, uh, so a young goalkeeper, played 15 times this season, conceded 15 goals, so he averages a goal a game conceded. Uh, James Trafford was there early for the first half of the season, but he was recalled and he was by Man City and he was faced us in goal last week for Bolton. So Savin will be the keeper. And then the three centre-backs then, so it'll be Michael Nottingham most likely in the middle, uh, 26 appearances so far this season, three goals. He's a bit of a monster. He's six foot three. So if you were at Bolton last week and saw Ricardo Santos sort of, you know, all over McCauley Bond with the, the physicality and the height, expect a little bit more of the same maybe this weekend if we assume the two new guys will come into the side we're going to try and butcher the uh, pronunciations here you it's are. looking like jay rich bagallo who signed from crystal palace he's six foot five so what are you shaking your head for us we agreed that in the green room didn't no, we? we agreed bagallo but it's fine B- okay bagallo six foot five signed from uh, crystal palace so he might well come in alongside nottingham and then it's Rizal legenlo uh who they've signed from newcastle and both of them came on uh, against sunderland in the midweek after the red card so the three centre-backs are likely to be those three with Mitch Clark in the right wing back position eight goals one assi- uh, eight eight appearances one goal no assists so far this season and they've got Yeboah Akimwa on loan from Man City he's a defensive fullback he doesn't really like to get above the uh, halfway line he's got no goals and no assists in 15 appearances but he's likely to be the uh, to be the left the left-sided one as we said earlier, Ross Sykes got sent off against Sunderland midweek. He's he's one of their stalwarts of the back three, so he's going to be missing. Uh, and they've got some really bad injuries as well. They've got Harvey Rogers, um, who's sort of a, a defensive uh, player who can sort of slot in a couple of positions. He's uh, he's not played since, since the end of December. And they had a guy called Sam Shering on loan from Bournemouth, but he got recalled and sent out to Cambridge. He played ten games, so he was he was playing, um, but Bournemouth recalled him and sent him over to uh, to Cambridge. Is it five or six loans? In the match day five, um, is it five? Yeah, because there's five. a lot of loans in that back six or back five alone, isn't it? You kind of you've mentioned Baguelo, Longello. I assume are both loans because no, they from, was no, they were signed permanent. They're permanent. Are they permanent? So they yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Fine. 
I should have so the, man, the Man City left back is the, the only one alone. Line. Fine, okay. Yeah, I thought they might have issues with that, but yeah. And Mitch Clark out of right wing back or right back, I like him. Ex Leicester, yeah. Um, he's always one of the players that I used to sign on loan on football manager. manager yeah. <laughs> uh, in midfield, we're expecting a midfield three of Harry Pell, Matt Butcher, and Ethan Hamilton. Harry Pell's ex Cole, isn't he? He, he scored again scored. In the game against us, didn't he? Back in uh, yeah. October, five goals and three assists in twenty-four games this season. Deep. Matt Butcher, sorry, go on. No, he's decent. Yeah, good player. Yeah, Matt Butcher, uh, four goals and two assists in 19 appearances. And Ethan Hamilton, 21 appearances with four goals. So they, they are a side that tend to score from, from midfield. It's not necessarily you know a flat defensive midfield to protect the defence. It's a, a midfield that likes to get forward and create chances and get their shots off. Uh, again, mm-hmm. this is a position where they are struggling a little bit. They had Liam Coyle was shown a straight red card a couple of games ago against MK Dons for a high challenge. So he's currently serving the second of his three-match suspensions, so he won't be involved. Seamus Connolly is like their club captain. He's their... Cole Skews kind, you know, I think he's 33-34. Keneally, yeah, he's 33-34 years old. Uh, he's normally the, the the mainstay of the central midfield, the defensive midfield option, but he's not played since being subbed at half-time against AFC Wimbledon back in de- the start of December. So he's out for a little while. And they've also got long-term injuries to Joe Pritchard, Tommy Lee and David Morgan. So they are a side, it's, it's not the biggest squad in the world and it's very right. much a side that are starting to struggle with if they get, you know, two or three injuries. I like Talks Harry Bell, like Matt Butcher as well. I, I, I'm just saying Butcher and Pell, you know, we were linked with Matt Butcher as well. You know, as you said, there's creativeness there, but Pell's physical, big for, you know, big physical presence of set pieces. I think that's kind of where the goal came from against us, if I, if I remember rightly. So he's having a really excellent season for them. Um, combative, but yeah, creative, as you say. Um, but the, yeah, as you, you're about to go on to the issues are really up front, the, the lack of strength and depth up front, you know, the goal scoring conversion stuff we talked about, I think is the issue. Very much so. Yeah, we all know Colby Bishop, and we were linked with him. Certainly, was it the summer just gone? Or was it the summer before mm-hmm. when, yeah. um, Cook, when we were looking family. to, yeah, bring people in? I, I really like Colby Bishop. I think he's a really good player. Twenty-three appearances so far this season, seven goals and three assists. So he's their top scorer. He's the focal point of what they do, focal point of the attack. And he'll be flanked either side. If we assume it's a three-four-three, he'll be flanked either side by John O'Sullivan, uh, who's got no goals and no assists in sixteen games, and Sean McConville, who's another player I really, really like. He's made twenty-six appearances one goal and seven assists so far this season. So you can see a bit of a, a bit of a relationship there between McConville and Bishop. You know, they like to like to attack down that side and McConville's got good delivery as shown with his with his assists. Colby Bishop is pretty much the only forward option uh, because they've had Joven Malcolm recalled today by West Brom. Uh, he's gone back there. He only made a, a couple of appearances. And Joel Mumbongo, the other reserve striker, is also out injured. He can sort of play wide right or up front and he's out injured as well. So it's very much sort of Colby Bishop leading the line on his own. I thought Colby Bishop scored routinely against us. He scored twice in the in the, in the, the two Toto game, should we call in, it? Yeah, yeah, nineteen twenty. Yeah, um, but I thought he'd. I thought he was one of those players that likes to score against us. But maybe I'm wrong. But it, it is going to rely heavily on him. But I'm I'm delighted for him because he's he's coming from non-league football at Leamington, where he was scoring goals for fun. But he's established himself as a really strong forward in, at this level. I think he's got teams up and around the kind of top half of you know, the, the top six, top eight, looking at him and maybe even championship as well. I'm going to take a punt there. So I'm really happy for Colby Bishop. Um, but yeah, that doesn't extend for whatever you get, get up to after on Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, we, we wish him well, but after three, after five o'clock on Saturday. So that's your, your likely lot for, for Accrington and what, and what to expect. And what do we think we're going to be doing? What's your thoughts on how people will line up? Presumably Backinson will be involved from the bench. I assume he's been signed in time. So. Backinson. Yeah, he signed a time. He'll be on the bench. I can't imagine he'll start. I I wouldn't be surprised if it's unchanged, to be honest. Do you think again. he'll stick with the three at the back or will he use the Bolton yeah. result as maybe a chance? Because we, we still don't know what he really wants to play, do we? I think that it would be very short-termism to, to jettison that formation because of the Bolton game. It's, to me, and I wasn't there, you were, it seemed to me that there were individual issues that caused us to lose that match. I think, I, I know we weren't, on it generally I think it was just a bad day I don't think it was a, a formation issue so I would play it um, because the players have got used to it I'd also keep the same team because the because again something we bemoaned about Paul Cook and Paul Lambert before him this constant chopping and changing just you don't build any familiarity maybe there's some lessons that have been learned from last week I'd keep it the same I, I honestly would McKenna might think differently you're right I think we I think 
um, our expectation is that he prefers the four at the back. I don't know whether that's true or not. So maybe he will use Bolton as an excuse to do that. I, I he doesn't strike me the kind of coach to do that kind of chopping and changing. So I'm keeping think- it the same. Do you think Penny might drop out, given he was given a bit of a torrid time against Bolton, and maybe Vincent Young might make a, an appearance in the left wing back position? I think that would be the only um, area where there would be a case to be made, given Penny was Penny was subbed, wasn't he as well? Yeah, about 64, 65 minutes. I think he was getting a bit of a torrid. He was doubled up on, to be fair. He had Gethin Jones at sort of right centre back, and the the lad uh, was it Fossey Mossy on loan from Fulham, who was closing him down really, really quickly. So he, you know, he he was kind of targeted as a a potential weak link. But yeah, that's the only only area of the side I could think he might look to make a change because Vincent Young did okay when he came on. But I guess you've always got that problem, haven't you, with Vincent Young? Is that as soon as he gets to the byline, he's going to have to stop and and check back onto his right foot before before delivering the ball. So yeah. Um, and I, I would class Penny as I would class anyone else last week. It was just a bad day at the office. And Penny played perfectly fine against Gillingham, hadn't he? Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to ask myself a rhetorical... I, I ask myself a question, which is I, I hate it, but do I think he's the long-term left-wing back solution? No, I don't. Is he probably the best we've got available to us at the moment? Probably. Um does does it help his confidence if you just pull him out of the team after a bad performance? Yeah, I think it does. Therefore, I would keep him in the team. But Kieran McKenna might think otherwise. And maybe look to strengthen the bench a bit with the likes of, you know, Edwards wasn't involved last week. Baconson is now going to be available. So, you know, some of the options we've got are absolutely crazy. W- what are you thinking for a score prediction? I, I'm normally very confident and I'm normally, you know, I think last week I said 3-1 against Bolton and I'm normally the voice of optimism, but I think this is going to be a tough game and I think I can see it being a one-all draw personally. Wow, okay. I mean, yeah, th- maybe it's what happens when you sit in the host's chair. Because um, <laughs> I predicted a draw. I predicted a draw last week. I, I honestly think we'll win, but I don't think it'll be much. I think it'll be a narrow 1-0. Um, I was thinking that maybe we'll concede from a set piece because that feels like so maybe it's 2-1. I think it would be a one-goal victory. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. And I'm assuming even though I'm sat in the host chair, I can have no control whatsoever over the uh, Fact of the Week video. So I'm sure you're looking forward to pushing your button. Brilliant. So the fact of the week this week, Accrington were not the first choice for the famous Accrington Stanley. Who are they? Advert from the 1980s. Apparently, I've not verified this, but apparently Tottenham were the side that were originally going to be discussed by the two kids when they said about Ian Rush, if you don't drink your milk, you grab to play for Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham, however, kicked off and said, we're not having that. It's quite derogatory and we're, you know, we're a decent side. So the, the producers of the advert approached Accrington, offered them £10,000, uh, which they accepted, and the rest is history. So yeah, Tottenham Hotspur were the original choice for the Accrington Stanley milk video. That comes from the, the kid who uh, he's called something Rice. Uh, the kid that the main kid in the advert, he's the one that said this. Yeah, they filmed the whole one with Tottenham Hotspur and had to go Carl back Rice. and do it. Carl Rice and had to go back and do it again with Accrington Stanley after Tottenham kicked off. Oh, I'd love that to be true, but I, I, I have to take moral, I have to raise moral concern of a feature called Fact of the Week. When you use the words, it has to be verified. But I like well, normally, it. Normally, I find these things in a couple of different places, so I know they're legit. But I only found this in one place. But I do I like it. Quite it. A, and you did yeah, it's give quite me an interesting well. one. So it's quite did an interesting you? one. So we'll, we'll we'll go with that one this week. Yeah, I like that one. Good stuff. <laughs> Okay, so to do a bit of plugs, uh, obviously the Greyhound is our our partner on the pre-match show. So before the game on Saturday, make sure you get yourselves down there. The likelihood you'll see some of us around the booth area at the back. You know, it's Ipswich's best venue by far, pre-match and post-match. Brilliant food on offer. Great choice of Adnams beers on on tap. So get yourselves down there. If you see us, come and say hello to us. Come and have a chat with us. You'll be there from, what, midday onwards, I guess, won't you? Yep. Yeah, and uh, pop along and, and say hello to us. The Burley interview, the two-parter, is still available. We've got the uh, the playing side of it, which came out on Monday, and the management side, which came out on Wednesday. Two absolutely superb interviews. Really, really great work from Craig. You know, the, the if, if you're similar of age to, to us two, it was that late 90s side, the early noughties side that we sort of grew up with and fell in love with, and it's it's brilliant to hear from the man that put it all together. It's two brilliant, brilliant interviews. Some quite funny stories in there as well, and some quite interesting facts. I, I, I never knew that he had opportunities 
opportunities to go elsewhere after the you know the Premier League fifth place finish and just two really really superb interviews so make sure you check that out on YouTube and on, on audio and uh, like I said really really great work from from Craig with that one flagship show will be back recording on sunday with a monday morning release i think it's ben dave and joe i think uh ben hosting this week uh, and dave and joe in the contributors chair that'll be recorded on sunday so the usual tweet will go out on saturday post-match and make sure you get your questions in for for the guys for the sunday show and there'll be a midweek show next week because we've got a uh, a midweek game at last haven't we afc wimbledon away on tuesday night so there'll be a uh, an immediate post-match reaction show on youtube uh we haven't ironed out diesel who will do it but it might will be you and me maybe we'll uh, We'll have a chat about it and we'll see see who's around and see you can do that one but if if we are doing that one you can host that one uh not me that one i'm not hosting a live one yet uh and that brings us on then to the 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 the, the superb performance the hit hit form at the right time run put together by myself let's pl- play uh 101 and show the league table Go on, put it on the screen. I know you don't want to, but ah, oh, look at it. It's brilliant. Look at that. 0.6 points per game. It's, uh, yeah. I, I thought you might beat me last week, to be fair. I thought I was going to struggle. And if I'd done some research, I would have noticed that the two FA Cup games I was slagging off for being on telly were the exact same games that Sky showed last weekend. It was Leeds against West Ham and Man United against Villa. So, uh, so yeah. So, I, you know, just retire the feature. I am, I am champion. No one can touch me. We're going we're gonna to put it to one side, aren't we, for a, a, a few weeks. Put it into hibernation for a few weeks. It will be back, but we're going to put it to one side for a few weeks now in the hope that something's happening in the world of football and we can start making new lists. I mean, you must be you must be smarting at this, aren't you? You had it in your it was in your your, your, your palms and you threw it away. Yeah, thanks, Seb. Yeah. Right. Um I just ran out of ideas to be honest. And I think got too cocky, what, too arrogant. No, I didn't. No, yeah. no. What I tried to do was I tried to make fundamental change. I tried to make the game better. And what I failed to do was realise that this is the this is the instant gratification era. This is, oh, so, want, it's the, so it's the followers' fault, you're saying? Yeah, I think it's Twitter's fault. Interesting. Um, okay. If we'd done this down the pub, I think probably most people would be fine. But as soon as you put, you know, oh, it's instant. It's a problem right now. You know, COVID's not a problem. Hasn't been a problem for, you know, decades before. And so that suddenly, that trumps problems we've had. I, I, I just misread the dynamic. So, and, and then, to be honest... We both struggled to find stuff, didn't we? Ultimately, <laughs> there was the awful week, wasn't there? I can't. Was it manager betting patterns versus something oh, else? It was a really shocker. poor week. So yeah, we're going to oh, retire yeah. that feature for a few weeks. It will be back, but we're going to retire it for a few weeks, and we're going to trial something different. Do you want to tell the guys what we're going to be replacing it with? Yeah. Well, so we'll um we'll stockpile some room on our ones, and then come back all guns blazing towards the end of the season and see if we can finish in a nice, you know, level pegging situation. Nah. Excuse me. Um. We also had a suggestion, which I quite like and I thought about as well, of things that you would, you know, a reverse 101. What would you introduce to make football better? I think Chris Rand tweeted with that suggestion, which I quite like as well. But what we're going to test is something else. And it's something that we talk about pretty routinely on this podcast. Um, and I think you have to because of the team we support. So let me um, let me play the intro, which will explain everything, and then we'll talk through the rules. singing along just to clarify if you're watching that on youtube uh in the next few days and that is silent uh during the audio it's because the youtube police have got hold of him <laughs> and made him remove the audio it's aqua's turn back time a classic hit from the 90s uh go on then explain exactly what blue monday sliding doors is yeah well, so um for those of you who knew that aqua turn back time was from the soundtrack of sliding doors we are doing competitive sliding doors moments from Ipswich town history so we will pick a manager and their era of managing the club. And we will each take turns to put forward a moment in history where if fortunes had gone the other way, things would have been so much better or things wouldn't have been so bad. And what we'll do is we will ask you, the excellent people who will think long-term and because the this ones, is... The ones you just slagged off, yeah? Just no, to no, no. I've, because this is a different feature where we, we can oh. think across many years. And in oh, this okay. week... In honour of George Burley, we're going to think we're going to do the early George, the early George Burley era. I had to pause to get that rhyme in my in my head. Um, people have had twenty years maybe to think about this one, so I I trust I trust their wisdom 
much more on this one. Um, I'm feeling a little bit more confident, but we'll see. I, I'm not really sure what Seb's going for. Um, shall I go first and, and just kind of test the concept? Yeah, so to clarify, we're doing pre the promotion season, aren't we, for, for Burley? Yeah, yeah pre-99. You might, you might be thinking, why aren't they going for these obvious picks? They will follow in you know, consecutive weeks. But for yeah. now, it's the, it's the pre-99-2000 <laughs> season to explain our choices. Go if on then, fire, any, fire away. If this is any good, we kind of need to give as many managerial eras as we can. Maybe if we get different people in the show, um, I'm not wishing to mention his vintage, but Dave Diamond, we can talk about maybe the earlier eras, Craig. We can talk about John Lyle and, you know, the situation with Steve Whitten, perhaps. And I don't know, maybe that was a big sign noise moment for him. Um, let's start with early Burley. Um, my offering up for this week's sliding doors moment in Ipswich Town history is James Scowcroft's cross um across the goal header on the last day of the season against Millwall um which hit the post and if that had trickled in we would have ended up with 72 points and we would have made it into the playoffs at the expense of Charlton now I'm not suggesting we would have won those playoffs because our form wasn't particularly great at that point but once you're in the playoffs and typically the team that scrapes in on the last day into sixth for some reason has some mystical powers that when it comes to playoffs get them the form that may at least get them to the final so i think that because of it's such a minute we're talking a matter of inches that might have been totally different era for us um we might have bounced straight back to the premier league at the first time of asking we might have been fully established up there by now who knows but because it was such a minute situation that i think it hit the a divot on the pitch or something that and that cursed north stand post was it the i was gonna say is it the same post we hit like in the cup against chelsea we hit the yeah okay same one steve said yeah i'm trying to remember yeah i think it might I be was it was there, i was there but i'm you know i'm going back nearly 30 years I oh cannot, i was I there i cannot remember i remember having to leave the stadium because Millwall started they went down yeah. didn't they, and they started smashing up the seats they ripped up seats and and, and i was underneath i was i was in the cobbles stand that day and we were evacuated it would have been great to be on the pitch because we were celebrating finishing in the playoffs rather than having to run away because we were avoiding getting smashed on the head with plastic seats. Um, we're saying as well that our pitch was absolutely appalling at that point, and that would have been a really good leveller going into the playoffs as well, just for um, interest. If I can, I'm not sure I, mean, I can we, get the we research who we would have played. Because if no, we finished sixth, st- we, obviously we play the, the, the side that finishes third, so I wonder who that who that potentially could have, so could have Lester, been that season. Leicester went up, I think, um, from the playoffs, it was we would have played Crystal Palace. Okay. Um, I know we wouldn't. Yes, we would have. Yeah, it was so. Sunderland went up that season, um, ninety five, ninety six, and then it was um, Derby in second. Palace, Stoke, Leicester, and Charlton end up making the playoffs, and it was um, Leicester who went up. So there you go. Okay. So that's your entry. My one is from a couple of seasons later, and I, I've thought this for a little while now, but I think in the 98-99 season, so the season before promotion, uh, we lose Johnson and we lose Scowcroft in relatively quick succession to, to injuries, and I think had those two stayed fit, I think we would have won the league that year. That's so my, my shout. So Johnson gets injured. He scores against Barnsley in a 1-0 win uh, mid-November. Mid it is 1998. We win the game 1-0, but he, uh, he has to have a cartilage operation. So he then goes out, and we bring in the likes of Samassi Abu on loan to try and replace him up front with sort of Naylor and stuff. And that's okay. We, we, we don't do too badly. I mean, Abu scores a, a goal. and we, we win against Sheffield United very late on on, on Sky, I remember. Uh, but then about a month later, mid-December, it's Barnsley again. We lose 2-0 at Portman Road. And I think Scowcroft is his collarbone he does or he, he really badly injures his, his arm or something. He's out for a little while. And losing those two uh, leads us to a, a, a not great run of form. We lose three out of five games after we lose Scowcroft because we simply got very little firepower up front. And I think had those two stayed fit, we would have, we would have definitely won the league that year because we were playing so, so well. Uh, Johnson comes back, but he doesn't score until mid-March. Against, or, sorry, second week of March, I think it is, against Watford, the, the famous Kieran Dyer game where he, he scores with a broken leg. So, And then he only gets about, I think he gets three, three goals in total from the injury until the end of the season. And I remember him being really, really out of form as well in the, in the playoffs semi against Bolton so I think potentially had had those two injuries not occurred in 98-99 we would have we would have won won the league potentially it was Sunderland I think won the league that year wasn't it but I think we'd been right out there challenging them and I think we could have snuck it 
Yeah, it's worth saying that, that season we were one point, well, and a lot of goals. So let's say two points from second place. I you see, I what you should have gone for there is losing to Crew in the third game before <laughs> well, the, the Jermaine Wright sending off game. Yeah, yeah, Venus is Penoy and so on because. If we'd won that game, we would have gone up. But these things have a, a knock-on effect. You know, Johnson was so out of form then because of the injury and the layoff and stuff. It, that, that, that factors into that kind of performance. And also, I thought that's that's kind of an obvious one. You know, we spoke about bogey oh. sides earlier with we spoke about bogey, bogey sides earlier with with Accrington. Crew were very much our our bogey side of that that era. So yeah, I, I think we would have won the league that year if those two hadn't had the the bad injuries that affected their season. Okay, so what we will do is we'll put that on the poll. How I'm going to get yours into um, 25 characters is going to be uh, a struggle. Yeah. But, um, we'll figure that one out. And yeah, we'll put, do the usual thing. We'll put the Twitter poll out and you tell us which is the which has had the bigger bearing on Ipswich Town's history. I mean, they're, they're both, the bigger <laughs> not to do us down, but they're both completely irrelevant, aren't they? Because we oh. have the brilliant, the brilliant 99-2000 season where we sign, you know, Marcus Stewart comes in and I know we lose Kieran Dyer, but we reinvest the money and we have the amazing games against Bolton, the amazing day out at Wembley. So we're very much aware this is a feature that as we go on, we'll have much more significance. This is kind of our uh, early testing feature and the, the Burley era is very much a, you know, a, a superb outliner compared to what's going to follow in the, the coming weeks. The way that I would think about it is Doc Brown in Back to the Future 2 explains why when they return to 1985, there's Biff Tannen's Pleasure Paradise instead of the Hill Valley um, Clock Tower and all that kind of stuff. And he draws a chalkboard, this tangent and all that kind of stuff. What we're trying to do to create here is a tangent which is positive for Ipswich. So the moments that we're talking about, if Jono and Scoey had been available Seb, Seb's hypothesis is that that tangent would have led to promotion because they would have been fit all season and scoring loads of goals and we wouldn't have been in the playoffs. That's your... My yep. tangent is we would have got into the playoffs. We may have won. And because at that point, I think the Premier League starts to get away from us. I, I just think if you stay in the Premier League for the kind of first, for the majority of the 90s, I think you do all right. You know, there's a lot of teams that are still there who... Uh, pretty crappy. I think Everton could have got relegated same time we did. And what might have happened to them? They clawed on, they stuck on. If we'd gone, if we bounced straight back, I wonder whether we'd been in the top flight more often than not over the next few decades. We'll never know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I'm thinking if we go up that season, then Kieran Dyer stays with us and becomes a Premier League yep. player. And, you know, you that, has, that has far-reaching consequences and stuff. So, so yeah, let, let yeah. us know what you think about the feature. We'll put the put the Twitter poll out. Let us see what you think about the feature. And remember, uh, you can either vote for his one where he slagged you all off, or you can do the right thing and vote for my one. So that's our new sliding 101. Go play the, play, the, uh, play the video one last time before YouTube ban it. And that is your lot. Thank you very much to all those of you viewed and watched and contributed on the poll. And thank you to Rich for, for, for the research and giving me the chance to, to, to host. Uh, last couple of plugs. Obviously, like we said, the Greyhound. Get yourselves down there on Saturday. Come and see us if we're around. Uh, get yourselves to bluemondayitfc.co.uk, which lists all of our shows. The Burley interview is still available. Last week's flagship with me, Craig, and Rich is available after Bolton. We'll have the flagship show going out on Monday morning. So all the good stuff. Blue Monday ITFC. Get yourself there for, for the lowdown. A big thanks to Kieran, who came on and joined us, obviously. And uh, because I'm the host, I get to say to you, give us the last word. Yeah, so thank you, Seb, for hosting. Um, feedback to at brownness08 on that one. Um, and um, looking forward to being back at Portman Road. It feels like it's been forever. Um, hopefully an enjoyable pre-match with the Greyhound. Um, do come and say hello there. Hopefully a match that will be entertaining and will end in victory. And I will just end with... Um, my favourite, um, definitely haven't forgotten to queue up the outro music, which I'm just just reaching for now. And um, what I will say is if you are, are watching the video, um, all the people who've donated to the podcast, all the people involved in sponsoring Lucy O'Brien, their names are up there. We update that as long as much as we can. So do, do give that a watch as well. We really support the people who um, donate. It's obviously discretionary. We really appreciate that. So thank you to them. Your names are there. Um, so do stick around for that. And I will say, come on, you blues.
It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.